SEP Fanfic Readings presents Finding Hermione by Ebook Dragon Chapter 50 The Proposal Draco opened the paper and was not surprised to see Hermione's letter gracing the front page of the Daily Prophet. After her explosive argument with Lavender, Hermione had worked on it furiously for a few days. She wouldn't let him see it before the letter was finished and sent off to the editor, and Draco was positively dying with curiosity. "'Dear witches and wizards of Britain, I am not going to bother to hide behind anonymity. I am Hermione Granger. I am the Hermione Granger who stood beside Harry Potter when none of you believed Voldemort had returned. I am the Hermione Granger, the warrior witch, who withstood being tortured by Bellatrix Lestrange, and would have died rather than betray Harry or our plan to defeat Voldemort. I am the Hermione Granger who publicly found out about my former husband's affair on our children's boarding school train platform. I learned a lot more about my husband in the days and weeks that followed, things that I would never have believed of the boy I grew up with and loved for most of my life if not confronted with the proof of it. I have stayed mostly silent on my relationships, the end of my marriage with Ronald Weasley, the beginning of my relationship with Draco Malfoy, and my inclusion of Lavender Brown in the managing of Granger House. Despite being considered a war heroine and the brightest witch of her age, I have always considered my private relationships just that, private, but you have not respected my privacy. You have not respected my right to choose my relationships. You have not considered the children involved in these tumultuous upheavals, their rights to privacy, mental health, and overall well-being. Your rapacious need for gossip and to sell newspapers was your only consideration. So I am speaking out about my relationships. I am here to set the story straight. I loved Ronald Weasley for much of my young life, even though he was too oblivious to notice me. We married young, probably much too young, considering we had both just survived a traumatic event. He lost a brother, and me, my parents, and so much loss tends to make you cling to those around you, even if they aren't good for you. Even though we were hardened by war, we were still children. Children who hadn't been given a chance to find out who they were. When I found out that Ron was obliviating me, I wondered where we had gone wrong. What road had we gone down to make this horrible thing possible? It was hard to imagine that the boy I had known since would violate me so horribly. I thought a great deal about Ron's actions. I'm sure they started innocent enough. An act of self-preservation— which isn't innocent but oddly understandable. There's a muggle saying about power. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And what better example of absolute power can you have over another person than to have complete control over their memories? So I believe and have to believe that what started out as self-preservation corrupted Ronald Weasley to do unspeakable things to me. I am grateful that the relationship with Ron ended when it did, that I found out the way that I did, if it weren't for the actions of a tired and frustrated woman and a small child, who knows what would be left of my mind and possibly my body? Many of you wonder how I can forgive Lavender Brown. Even my friends and family find it odd. She saved me that day. Lavender Brown saved me from years of abuse at the hands of my former husband. So I forgave the woman that slept with my former husband for years because she publicly outed her relationship with him and let herself be painted as a home-wrecking hussy to the media because she was tired of hiding, because she wanted better for her children than to be kept as a shameful secret, because she was a woman in an impossible situation. I can forgive her the sin she committed against me for so many reasons. 
Lavender Brown and I received much speculation and ridicule over the last few days with the unveiling of the non-profit organization I started, Granger House. I started Granger House to provide women and children with a safe place to go if they were in an abusive situation. I asked Lavender to co-manage the shelter with my former assistant, Methuselah Edvard. I asked Lavender, not because we were in collusion and not out of gratitude, but so that she could have a place of her own to work and do good where she could make a life of her own, where Lavender could be accepted for herself, rather than the image the world forced on her. After the media backlash surrounding the announcement that we were working together, Lavender tried to resign. She didn't want women to not seek the help they needed because of her. I found out recently that Lavender's children are also bearing the brunt of the media backlash surrounding Lavender and Ron's affair, as well as Ron's attack on Draco Malfoy and myself. As someone who has built a career in educating children and ensuring that we do not repeat our past mistakes, I find this difficult to excuse. What does this say about us as adults that we would punish children for the sins of their parents? What does this say about us after all that we have been through, after all that we fought against, that we would bully children? That we would teach or allow our children to bully others for something they have no control over? You punish them for being illegitimate, or for their father being in prison? How are either of these things their fault? How is this different from the pure-blood prejudicial ideas that we fought against, that people died fighting against? I've saved the best for last, and I'm sure it's the bit of gossip you're all dying to read about. I love Draco Malfoy. I cannot say it any more plainly than that. I love Draco Malfoy. Looking back now, I know that it was odd that I chose to leave with him that day on the platform, and even order that I chose to stay with him. I knew that it would drive Ron insane that I stayed with him, but that wasn't the reason. I trusted him. I trusted him with my daughter. I trusted him as he helped me through the pain of Ron's betrayal. Every day he proved himself worthy of my trust. He protected me when Ron tried to attack me more than once, even going so far as to throw himself in the line of fire. He showed me what a good, healthy relationship was, that's not to say that we don't fight because we are both headstrong individuals. Draco is not the boy I knew in school. He's a man, tested by circumstances of fate and upbringing. A man that was forced to confront the ideals of his upbringing when presented with the harsh reality of what they truly meant. He is judged, often unfairly, for his actions as a teenager, for becoming a Death Eater at the age of sixteen, for trying to kill Albus Dumbledore. I don't excuse his actions, even he doesn't excuse them. How many of us can say that we would refuse to join Voldemort when he threatened to kill those we love? How many of us can say that we would not do anything we could to keep that tyrant from hurting our families? I empathize with his actions, and as someone who saw his struggles during our sixth year, I know that it wasn't an easy task, that his conscience struggled with what was expected of him. Draco Malfoy turned into an admirable man, a loving father, a supportive partner, and considering his early life and the examples he was given, I believe this was no small feat for him. This is not to say that his parents are not loving people. I know it is hard to envision the Malfoys as loving individuals. However, I know for a fact that there is nothing Narcissa Malfoy holds higher than her lover family. She did lie to Voldemort's face to find her son, after all. Though she probably won't thank me for revealing such vulnerabilities about her, I find it admirable how far she was willing to go to protect her son. And having children of my own, I can understand that there isn't anything a parent wouldn't do for their child.
Through a bit of old Malfoy magic, I found out that Draco and I are soulmates. It was quite startling at first. I have to admit that Draco and I had a row about it. I unfairly accused him of putting the bracelet on me while I slept, as a means of claiming me as his in some pure-blood Neanderthal mating ritual. He was just as surprised as I was to find the bracelet on my wrist. His mother was not surprised in the least. You can't seem to get anything past Narcissa Malfoy. The surprise has worn off considerably since then. Now it seems fitting, the knowledge that we were always meant to be together. Even with all the conflict around us, I am happier than I have ever been, and that is because I know he is by my side no matter what. The road that led us to each other has been long and winding, and at times full of potholes. It made us who we are today. It made us ready to love one another. Just as we learned when Harry defeated Voldemort, love is the only way. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, We must discover the power of love, the redemptive power of love. And when we discover that, we will be able to make this old world a new world. Love is the only way. Dr. King knew a few things about fighting discrimination and social prejudice. He spoke out for equal rights of all persons of color. He spoke out that a person not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Dr. King had a dream for equal rights, just as we had a dream for equal rights. I was once judged based on the purity of my blood and not the strength of the magic within me. Like many other muggle-borns, I was once hunted and tortured because I dared to be magical while none others before me possessed magic. Dr. King may not have known about the magical powers of love, how it can save a life, how it can defeat those incapable of it. But Dr. King did understand that love can move mountains. Love can make the impossible possible. Let us not forget the lessons we learned with the spilled blood of those that fell during the last war. So, my brothers and sisters, I beseech you to let love into your lives. Let love for your fellow neighbor overcome hurts and prejudice. Let love for your children guide them to be kinder to those who are different. Let love show you a path to forgiveness and understanding. Let us create a new and better world for our children and grandchildren. With love, Hermione Granger. Draco had to set the paper back down on the table. His coffee and breakfast had long since gone cold as he read Hermione's letter. Tears blurred his vision as Draco looked unseeing at the wall in front of him. He was moved by her public and heartfelt declaration of love for him. He was in awe of how she made her letter both about her relationships, the scandals revolving around them, and the issues in their society. Hermione walked through the door into the dining room. She looked so fresh and beautiful. Her hair was braided into a crown around her head. She had donned an eggplant-colored, three-quarter-sleeve cable-knit sweater and light gray slacks for the day. Her cuff glittered on one wrist, while her three infinity rings glittered on her right ring finger. Simple, round diamond studs adorned her ears. How Draco longed to shower her in jewels, though he knew Hermione felt no need for such things. Draco wiped the moisture from his eyes and walked over to intercept her before she started filling her plate with food. "'What is it?' Hermione asked, right before Draco crashed his mouth upon hers. She tasted of everything Draco had ever hoped to have in his life. Love, acceptance, forgiveness, belonging, and family. Draco dropped to one knee and held out the ring Scorpius picked out. "'Marry me,' Draco blurted out. Hermione's hand flew to her mouth. "'Oh, Draco!' Realizing that he just blurted out his proposal, Draco apologized. "'I'm sorry. You deserve a better proposal. 
I've carried this ring around for a while now, and I've been waiting for the right time. I love you, and I want to have babies with you, and raise our children together and grow old together, and I couldn't wait another second to do all of that with you. Oh, Draco, Hermione said again. Tears streamed down her cheeks. She held out her left hand for him to put the ring on. I want all of that with you, and I love you too, of course I'll marry you. Draco, with trembling hands, slipped the ring onto her finger. Draco rose to his feet and gathered Hermione into his arms. She stretched out her hand and gazed at her engagement ring. "'Are you disappointed?' Draco asked. Hermione pulled back to look at him, her eyes wrinkling down. "'Of course not. Why would you think that?' Draco raked a hand through his hair. "'I didn't exactly make it very romantic for you, blurting out a proposal before you've even had a chance to eat breakfast.' Hermione turned in his arms and placed a hand on his cheek. "'It was perfect.' She rose on tiptoe to kiss him. "'Ew, gross!' Rose protested as she came into the dining room for her breakfast. Draco and Hermione broke apart. Hermione appeared a little dazed by what just happened between them. She looked questioningly up at him. Her left eyebrow arched to punctuate her confusion. "'I love you, and you have made me the happiest man alive since the day you walked into my life,' Draco told her. This has been Finding Hermione by Ebook Dragon. You can find more stories by SEP Fanfic Readings on Spotify and YouTube.